Good morning. I hope each of you are doing well. Today is March the 10th. It's Sunday morning. Um, weather here in Central Virginia has been absolutely crazy. Uh, it snowed Friday. It was overcast Saturday. And today it's going to get up into the 70s. So <laughs> a little crazy. Uh, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Matthew chapter number 14. Matthew chapter number 14 and... Um, Last time we were together, we looked at the feeding of the 5,000. And when Jesus heard it, in verse number 13, he departed thence by ship into a desert place. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looked up to heaven. He blessed, and he brake, and he gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And when they did all eat and were filled, and they took up the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they had they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and do ask that you go before us today. You bless the reading of your word. Father God, I pray that you would just open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and most important, our hearts to understand and obey the things that we, that we go over today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, last time we were together... We talked about how this is by far one of the most well-known miracles in the entire Bible. Um, it's recorded in all four Gospels. Uh, even the birth of Christ is not recorded in all four Gospels. And what we did is we saw how this miracle is seen by many. Well, I think I'm being a little, uh, I don't know if I'd say many, uh, those who really study the scriptures, which aren't that many, um, they see it as more than just historical, but they see it as prophetic in that it may be a shadow of, of something that will happen to the Jews in the future. And we went over all of that. You know, we, we broke it down uh, talking about during the tribulation, the Jews will not have any bread uh, because they don't receive the mark that's required for them to do that. They won't be able to lodge in the cities because the Antichrist will be after them. Therefore, they will be in the wilderness. So people will look at this uh, parable or the story and see more than just a historical event. And the same thing is true in the next uh, story about Jesus walking on the water. In verse number 22, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent them away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening has come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. So, again, people see this as more than just a historical event. I mean, it did happen. You know, after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus sent the disciples away. They traveled by boat to get to the land of Gennesaret. 
uh, and he didn't go with them. He stayed on the mountain alone by himself and prayed. And later they see him coming to them, walking on the water while they were in the midst of this terrible uh, storm. And of course, immediately after he entered the ship, they arrived at shore. Now, many will see this, that study their Bibles, as typifying the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, and of course, verse number 23, he went up into a mountain. When Jesus left, he went Mount of Olives before his ascension in Acts chapter 1, verse 11. He went up to pray. The Lord today is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is interceding on our behalf. And then, of course, verse number 23, it was evening. When Jesus was here on the earth, the time was day and the condition was light. But when he returns, the night will come. Um, and then the mist of the sea. We are the ones that have remained behind, just like the disciples in the midst of the sea, awaiting for his promised return. In the meantime, we're tossed by the waves while we're waiting. And the wind was contrary. So too, the wind is contrary to you and I. The world we live in is running as fast as they possibly can away from God. Uh, they don't want nothing to do with God. And then uh, verse 25, the Lord's return. Uh, the Lord one day is going to come back. He's going to calm the seas and we're going to go with him. Um, a perfect picture of the Lord's return to the earth. So, you know, um, you know, the Jews say when the Messiah returns, he's not only going to tell us what the words mean, but he's going to tell us what those spaces between the words mean. I don't think we could ever grasp all that is in the scriptures. I'm 52 years old. I was saved as a young man at the age of nine. I rededicated my life back to the Lord as a young Marine, probably about 19, 20 years old. And since then, I have been a student of the scriptures, whether it be as a missionary or a pastor or a, uh, a teacher. And I, am, I never cease to be amazed at what I see in the scriptures. I, I think we just read them and we kind of take them at face value. It's just like the Psalms, you know, for years, you know, I always thought, you know, the beautiful prose and, you know, just uh, poetry. Uh, but I really think the book of Psalms is, is prophetic. Um, it's just, you know, I think as we grow in our walks with the Lord, we begin to understand just how intricately detailed and how meticulous the word of God truly is. Now, in verse number 26, we're going to take a look at Peter's, quote, faith. Uh, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. So the disciples are caught in a storm, and the Lord shows up. They're fearful. Uh, and initially they did not believe that it was him, even after he had identified himself. Because in verse number 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, <laughs> bid me to come to you on the water. So this miracle shows us that Jesus was more than just a mere man in that it displays his authority over the very creation that he himself created. And in verse number 
number number 28 then peter answered and said lord if it be you bid me to come unto you and he said come and when peter was come down out of the ship he walked on the water to go to jesus but when he saw the wind was boisterous he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried saying lord save me and immediately the lord stretched forth his hand caught him and said unto him O thou of little faith why didst thou doubt and when they were coming to the ship the wind ceased then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Now, we don't have a clue what prompted Peter to want to get out of the boat other than just his type A personality. And there is no doubt Peter, Peter was a type A personality. Peter was a choleric. I mean, he was an aggressor. <laughs> I think he was a choleric melancholy, if you've ever studied personalities. Uh, he was very aggressive, but he was also prone uh, to uh, depression. However, he did do something that the others in the boat probably only wish they could have done. I bet you, as the years passed, uh, they regretted that Peter was the only one that actually jumped out of the boat. I really believe that. Uh, you know, too many times we, when we reference this story, are very quick to point to the fact that Peter sank. And to me, that's not the miracle of the story. I mean, that was the expectation <laughs> that he would sink. If you step out of a boat, the expectation is that you're going to sink. The miracle of the story is that he got out of the boat. <laughs> he, I mean, he actually moved. But isn't that the way it is? We always criticize the ones that get out of the boat. You know, the writer of Hebrews in 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the miracle was not that he sank. <laughs> the miracle was that he got out of the boat. You know, Peter's faith apparently, I mean, he stepped out, you know, because the Lord told him to. But his faith apparently began to wane. And he realized the gravity of what he had just done, literally gravity, and he took his eyes off of the Lord. And he started to look around at the wind and the waves. He was no longer focused on the Lord. And of course, we have no idea how long he was on top of the water, how far he actually got. And of course, the moral of the story is when we do step out in faith, we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord. And you and you and you, you, you and I both know how difficult that can be. We can start out with all the good intentions. We can start out with all the faith in the world. But then things begin to happen. Our, our gaze is pulled off of the Lord and we begin to question what in the world have we done <laughs> and when we do that, our faith begins to wane and we begin to sink. You know, um, I, I can't help but ask the question, how did Peter get back to the boat? I mean, he had already stepped out. 
We don't know how far away he had actually walked. How did he get back to the boat? Did he walk or did Jesus carry him? I believe he most likely walked with the Lord. The Lord just went over there, picked him up, <laughs> and escorted him back back to the boat. I mean, because it says Jesus immediately stretched forth his hand. Immediately, as soon as. Notice it says, and Peter came out of the ship. He walked on the water. And when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink. Beginning to sink. Not had sunk. Beginning to sink, he cried out. And immediately, the Lord stretched forth his hand and caught him. So he didn't get submersed into the waves because as soon as he began to sink, he cried out to the Lord. What an object lesson for you and me. As soon as we begin to sink, even if, you know, we step out in that faith, we take our eyes off of the Lord. As soon as we begin to sink, as soon as our faith begins to wane, we cry out to the Lord. He immediately stretches forth his hand, takes him. And of course, he gave him a little rebuke. Oh, thou of little faith, why did you doubt? In other words, you were doing fine. <laughs> you were walking on the waves. You were doing fine. So how did the Lord get him back to the boat? I believe he just reached out. He grabbed Peter by the hand. Peter's faith was restored. He came back up to the top of the waves and walked across that water like a boss with the Lord and stepped back into the boat now in verse number 34 and when they were gone over they came into the land of gennesaret and when the men of that place had knowledge of him they sent out into all the country round about and brought in him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment as many as touched were made perfectly whole now the fame of jesus had apparently already preceded him and notice that as these people began to gather around him, as the knowledge spread throughout the country, they brought all that were diseased and all they wanted to do was touch the hem, touch the hem. And they believed that they could be made perfectly whole. Now, this is not the first time we see this in Matthew chapter 9, verse number 20. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came from behind him and touched the hem of his garment. Even in Mark, it records the story that she was trembling and she was afraid as she desired just to simply touch the hem of his garment. So the question I would ask you is, why the him? <laughs> uh, was it respect? You know, not feeling. I mean, the him was the part that actually drugged toward the ground. Was it respect or was it something else? Well, you know, in Numbers, in the book of Numbers, uh, in verse chapter number 15, we're told something very significant about the him. In Numbers chapter number 15 and verse number 38, And the Lord spake unto Moses and said, Speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes on the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. 
and it shall be unto you for a fringe. And ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go a whoring. That you remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. So there was these tassels that were placed around the hem of the garments. And these tassels served as a means of remembrance. That they would remember the goodness of the Lord and all that the Lord had done to them. That they not seek after their own heart and their own eyes like they used to. So I believe that they wanted to reach out and touch these tassels or these these fringes. In Deuteronomy uh, chapter number 22, in Deuteronomy 22 and verse number 12, it says, Thou shalt make the fringes upon the four quarters of thy vesture wherewith thou coverest thyself. So, I don't think it was, I think it was very significant that they were reaching out to touch the hem. Yes, for sure, respect. But yes, because of these tassels, that was a reminder of the goodness of God and all that God had done for them. Well, I think I'll wrap it up there for today. Next time we get together, we'll break into chapter number 15. Remember always that God loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.